Hey there, everyone who's listening. It's Jackson here. I hope your earbuds are warmed up for an epic episode 11. This is A.L. Hellamish. Um, this brings in the end of a 10-part series on should I quit my job? Yes, it's taken six months. We've been traveling. We've been all over the place. We've done remote work contracts. You'll hear about that in the next few episodes, but A.L. is an absolute gun. He's over in New York as a diplomat for the Australian government. He's already We've already released two parts on him last week. This is the third part. Uh, the sun sets on this three-part series of, of AL as well as the 10-part series of Should I Quit My Job? And over the next few weeks, we're going to be bringing you some of the goss of people who we know who are doing cool stuff during coronavirus. Call it coronaphiles. Call it what you will. It's going to be a bit of fun, um, going to be a bit of perspective and some creativity and all sorts of stuff. So look forward to having you tuned into all of those. And just a little heads up that this episode starts a little bit abruptly, but would love to have you tune into the last two episodes of AL. They're absolutely gold. Get to pick his brain and then rip into this one. It is our boy AL. I want us to talk about all the things we hate about this company. And the three of us put all those ideas up on a whiteboard. What were some of those things? Um, you know, no leadership. Uh, too, we consult each other too much. Um, you know, recur, no recurring customers. Uh, a lot of once-off once off gigs. Um, you know, poor team and you know management. You know, all these like all the things that were coming up. You know, so everything. Super you, honest, candid. Super honest, yeah. candid. Like you know, people just laying it all out there, and I had to bite it. You know, because. I'm the CEO. I created this. Like, I was going to ask, how was yeah. that for you hearing that? Yeah, I just, you know, and I had to bite the bullet and just sit there and just write it down. Just, you know, yeah, horrible team culture, poor visionary, poor leadership, Oof, all these things that, you know, you, was, you know, were all my stuff. And I, and I was writing on the board and I just said, yeah, what else? What else? Until, you know, there would have been maybe 50 ideas on the board of things that people didn't like about this company. And I just kept saying anything else, anything else, anything else. And then at one point, the two of them were exhausted and said, no, I think that's about it. You know? <laughs> and then I just said, great. And then I drew a line under the bottom of it. And there was an emptiness under, below. And I said, okay, now I want you to tell me what kind of company do you want to build? The line in the sand. Yeah. And they started saying, you know, you know, uh, recurring customers, um, a vision we believe in, um, a connection to team, a team that's bigger than ourselves, not just the three of us. Um, I just got goosebumps again. You know, all, the, all these bits coming up, right? Mm. And we wrote, you know, and another 50 ideas came up. I said, anything else, anything else? And eventually said, no, I think that's enough. I'd love a photo of below the line because I, I think that would be literally everything that we're trying to do with this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, call it below the line. Yeah, below the line. <laughs> and, and, I, and so you could see that above the line, we had all the things that they hate about the company and below the line was all the things that they wanted to create. And I said, great. And I wiped off the top bit. And I said, let's create that company. Mm. And we started from ground zero. And that, you know, we just started writing a plan, a strategy, and suddenly you saw the energy shift from people were walking in looking at the, you know, these two guys were looking at their watches, like how long is it gonna take? Cause I've got a, a job interview to actually cancel that. Let's make this thing work. And- It's funny how just one conversation can have that shift for your employees. Like I really want everyone listening to take that on board. Like it would have been what an hour. Yeah, at the not just for employees. Though, but this can potentially change like the the future. Like yeah, if, sorry, if that's yeah, what like if, if yeah. this can if this one conversation can make two people happy, it could make then a hundred, and then you could eventually have your million customers and all this sort of stuff. Like it's 
conversations like this can change the future. Totally. And we, yeah. we, um, and the key is that in that moment, it wasn't about me. Mm. It was about us and it was about Ooh. them. Right? Valid, valid point. Right. Yeah. So like I wasn't there trying to be the arrogant prick that I was when we had the team of 30 and we were trying to like tick some big goals. I was there sitting with three people being like, what do we actually want to create together as a team? So you're equal. Yeah. We were completely equal. So hats off for, um, sucking it up man and and uh and it seems like you had to shift overnight like um although you said it took a year or so to reflect like yeah. this is like absolutely overnight you've yeah. just gone shit i have to change who's the mentor um it was i had a, I had a few yeah. and some of them were one of them was actually an angel investor uh his name is nick yeah and um and he came in at a very early stage and just believed in us gave us a tiny bit of capital he just uh, you know it was like ten, fifteen thousand dollars just to, to play, really. Yeah. And had no idea what we were talking about, um, and just believed in us. And just said, you know what? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't really <laughs> get it. But like, you guys are a bunch of young people having a crack at changing something that's really important. And you know, I'm a bit old and I've lost a bit of faith in the world. But you guys have a crack, and I'm happy to support that. And so, using our passion can just get 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 that from people, right? Totally. And he's a remarkable, you know, facilitator. He's built a couple of businesses. He's had some successes. He's had some failures. So he's been around the block. And yeah, he just multiple times throughout my journey, he's been someone I've called on. And, you know, he's two, three times my, my age. And so... Uh, I've met him before, yeah? You have met him, yeah. 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 And so he, um, you know, he's now running a, 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 um, a crowdsourced energy company, you know, um, which is transforming the way we actually build companies, but also how energy works in, in our society. And, um, you know... So Nick has actually, um, yeah, he was just someone I could always go to and get that, that grounding from. If you're listening, Nick, um, you know, hit us up. If, yeah. if, uh, if, if yeah. not, we'll be chasing yeah. you down to get you on one of the Nick, next series. Yeah. Nick Francis runs DC Power at the moment, yeah. running any other companies before. Uh, uh, any, any other listeners yeah. who are happy to just help us get it. <laughs> yeah, so he he's been, was an amazing coach and at every step of the way, just really... Um, and even our team would say like he's someone we would bring in and having that seniority and relying on mentors is so important right? yeah. and that literally is the make and break between in those day to days like you could one day be at the bottom of the pits you know yeah. and then in the next day you know just one conversation with a mentor helps you reframe and step back from what you're in and be like right we got to go back in there and do it differently yeah yeah um and that's why for the arrogant pricks who are 26 year old out there and, you know, thinking they can do everything, the truth is you can't, you know, yeah. and you need to find those mentors to support you and you need to like, let, let the guard down and be vulnerable with what's really there. Yeah. Um, it's a word that keeps coming up, this vulnerability. Uh, we, we talked about the Brene, Brene Brown and her doco on Netflix, if anyone wants to watch it, but have you seen it? Literally, seen it. No, everyone, it, yeah. literally uh, everyone that we're talking to at the moment about this podcast and stuff is like, yeah, man, you got to be vulnerable. You got to, you got to let your walls down and let people in and be willing to change and pivot and yeah that's the only way you can be a better person and it's and it's such a good word that, that i've never really heard people talk about until the last few weeks yeah. until we started doing this which is which is awesome yeah and i think it's about i mean it's the vulnerability and being really straight about it yeah which i would say i absolutely stuffed up multiple times in my company in fact my biggest stuff up throughout i say was probably just not being as vulnerable and not being as straight about what's going on. Yeah. Just believing that I could somehow convince people or show people something that wasn't really there. Yeah. You know, and then later on have to be like, oh, actually that didn't work or the, here's why it didn't work. Where had I been far more straight and vulnerable, it would have attracted people, you know, to us. Yeah. Um, I think one of the, one of my favorite moments throughout the journey was we were in an accelerator program in the U.S. Um, through, called the Unreasonable Institute. 
and for unreasonable people just like me and all of you and everyone yeah. listening at home, right? Yeah. And, uh, and at the Institute, they pull together some of the top entrepreneurs from all over the world who are working on social and environmental impact. And at the, a couple months in, they have you pitch in front of 600 investors and mentors from across the world who come to hear about these 14 companies that have been crowdsourced from you know, Egypt, from the US, from Australia, from Af parts of Africa and, and, and Europe. And we're all there and, um, and I'm preparing my, my pitch and one of the founders of the Institute, this guy named Teju, I said to him, hey, mate, every time I give my pitch about my company, I go up there, I give my pitch, and people come up to me afterwards and they say, oh, wow, you're amazing. What exactly is it that you do? <laughs> okay. And I'm like, uh, I thought I just spoke about that for like 20 minutes, like, didn't you, you know? And then he said, Al, I want you to tell me your speech and I want you to do it with your hand on your head. And I give my pitch with my hand on my head and I tell the pitch the same way I always do. He said, all right, now I want you to give me the pitch again and this time I want you to put your hand on your heart. Mm. And when I started speaking with my hand on my heart, I would tell stories about how I got to where I am that I'd never shared before. Stories about my mother at home crying over the TV watching a thing or the time I you know, stuffed up my, the group that I studied in high school. And, and Tasia at the end of it said, he said, when you told me the pitch with your hand on your head, I got it, but it wasn't really mine. You so know? logical. And then when, I, when you told it with your hand on your heart, I really felt the vulnerability and I really related to the stories you shared. And so I rewrote my pitch with my hand on my heart and it was really about being authentic and vulnerable out there and people coming up to it. And at the end of, at the end of that pitch, it was the first time people came up to me and said, Al, I love the work that you do. And not, what is it that you do again? They said, how can I help? Yeah. Wow. And so it shows that when you're vulnerable and open, you actually attract people towards you. And people are more curious and engaged in the things that don't work than in the things that we're absolutely certain will work. And that's probably one of the greatest tips I've ever heard in sales. So yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna adopt that from, <laughs> from now on. And I think it's, everyone else should, it's amazing. Yeah. I just, I just want to say... It's all about storytelling and connection, right? <laughs> totally. I love this podcast because I get to hear you have so many like vulnerable, beautiful conversations with other men. I'm just like, <laughs> like this is going to change the world. I love this. <laughs> all right, back to what we were talking about. Um, so what, what happened next in the company? Yes. Did it, did it work? Did your plan work? So it did work. So funny enough, right after us turning that around and saying, hey, what do we, what's the company we want to build? Two days later, we were the, one of the few contracts that Matt, my business partner, had closed while we were running this national campaign, um, delivered it, executed it on the side. And um, we'd been invited to this award ceremony on the Friday. So on Wednesday, we have this moment. On Friday, Matt's in Adelaide for this award ceremony. And I was flying in that night. So this is a week after you had to let everyone A week go, after, yeah, a week, a, week a week later. And, um, and Matt's in Adelaide and I fly in just at the end of this, this award ceremony. And I get there and Matt is like blind drunk with a giant crystal in his hand, right? <laughs> and I'm like, what is that? He's like, dude, we won. I'm like, what did we win? He's like, we won an international award. I'm like, for what? He's like, for that one project that we closed while we were running that national campaign. And I'm like, oh my God. And I was like, let's, let's build a business on that. And you were yeah. saying he's the one who closed that deal. And he's the one that closed that deal. And so I was like, well, let's build a business on that. And so we took that crystal, that award that we received, and we basically toured across the, the state and across the country selling this thing that we won an award for. And we literally built the business off the back of that. And it was scalable, it had repeat customers, it was an online consultation tool for city councils. And suddenly we were, it was called, the, you know, it was with the city of Hepburn, Shire Council, and uh, it was called the Hepburn model. And we were selling the Hepburn model, which RSA, you know, delivered. So this was the first major pivot 
as, uh, for your startup, right? Yeah, like that's right. Know, the first we didn't get market fit with the first one. We fell short. Yeah. Now we've rolled, and this is the yeah. The and we, we may have had a few other pivots in between, but right. but definitely, and in a very short space in time. But it was the first time we were like, hey, let's shift from this awkward, you know, inconsistent business model to something that we think will have scale and actually worked. And actually worked. Yeah. And yeah. do you think because you were in the position you were in, you were just so much open to listening and and seeing what Matt had contributed to the company? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, we're sitting there. We've been running this thing. And suddenly we win an award for something at our absolute breaking point. And I remember we were bumbling around Adelaide pretty, you know, drunk at the time thinking, I think this is it, you know? And, and that, he had more ownership in that as well. And he was, he'd bought into it. I mean, he'd, he'd sold it, you know, delivered it and won the award yeah. pretty much with me on in a totally different world. Right. Right. And so I was able to there and just say, Matt, tell me how it worked and let's, let's build on that. So and it's great. You were actually in that position to listen and totally. Open, vulnerable, ready to take it on board, and um, and really just thinking what's going to make this work. And it was no longer about you know who am I going to be in this, but actually what's going to work. You know, beautiful. And how can I contribute? Yeah, and how are we of service to our customers, yeah. our sector? You right. know, what's there? And so and starting to think in a totally different way. Not how do I get a role, but how do I serve? In service, we end up, you know, secure, you know, going from one customer up to 30 customers, raising capital, um, then getting even more customers and actually starting to build a smart business model with incredible talent from investors, mentors, staff. You know, we worked with some of the best people I've ever worked with um, in that period uh, and grown that company from, you know, from step to step as a result. Uh, and that wouldn't have been possible if we hadn't had that shift and been open to just really focusing on how do we create a sharp business that serves our customers, right? Um, and that's been the, the last last few years. Uh, so that's been five years now? Yeah, it's been, yeah it's been about five years. And yeah. so that was the same consistent model while you guys were working in the co-working space with us? Yeah, that's right. So we'd, we'd pivoted, we'd done that, we'd run it for a while, and then we hit a point where we're like, we need some staff. Mm-hmm. One of our investors said, maybe you should consider, um, actually our only investor at the time was like, maybe you should consider raising more cap- raising capital, which we'd never done. Went through a full capital raise, mm-hmm. got some of the top investors in Australia to invest in us, similar investors that invested in the yep, company yep. you were in. And, um, and just learning and chipping away at it until we, we got to, the, you know, to, to today, really. I think like, it's such a great um, lesson for, so because of being involved in, you know, with accelerator programs and incubators, and if anyone's want to know what they are, that's where startups sort of get funding or get support, get offices or get mentors where they can grow their startups. There's loads of these places. If you look, if you've got an idea, you can, you can pitch like the universities or certain organizations and they can give you a bunch of money or support um, for your idea. So we've all met loads of different startups through that and all the ones that are coming through, they having similar problems that we have. And I think one of the big problems when you first start out as a startup is like, aha, I've nailed it. I've got the idea that can change the world, right? And then when that doesn't start to go to plan, we can go down with the ship. Mm. But the ones that can iterate and pivot and roll the most and the fastest are generally the ones that win. Mm. And like you see it over and over and over, like this one, you've, you you said multiple iterations, this was a real major one, mm. <clears throat> but now you've got a sustainable business model and that's where you become a business. Yeah. It's not all about being a startup, right? So uh, honey, our company, we had like five or six like iterations and ultimately we ran out of money, but still it like makes revenue, it's ticking. One day there might be a partnership or another raise or you know, get the band back together, who, who knows? But the beauty of it is, is this not just like resting on your on your laurels, like this was my idea, this was the, the world changer, I have to keep going, keep going, keep going. 
Yeah. The ones that pivot and roll are the ones that win. So if you've got, if you're new to a startup or if you're just seeding an idea, don't be fixated on that idea. You might love it. Some customers might love it. The PM might even love it. Yeah. But it may not be the, the game changer. Yeah. So. And I think that a lot of that is, you know, one thing is about, um, yeah, staying alive, really. Mm. Doing what it takes to stay alive and realize and not being so attached to whatever your first idea was. Um, a lot of investors look at teams. The, the real the real thing is, will this team of people that we're about to put a bunch of money into, will they be able to learn and keep their you know the ear to the ground and actually listen to their customers to a point where they are able to change rapidly and address that market and find where the real opportunity is? Because they might they some of them know like what you've landed on may not be the thing. Yeah. Right? But will the team be able to ride the waves to get to whatever the thing will be? Yeah. And I think. And other, you can't monetize an idea. You, you monetize product market fit. Correct. It? That's right. And and that's that's the key is the product market fit. A lot of times we think that, and I, and that was a big thing for me of going from a place of like I know what needs to be built here. I know what product is going to work. I know this sector really well. To product market fit is sitting with our customers mm-hmm. and really listening to our customers and understanding what they actually do, not what they say. Yeah. And what problem. What problem are you solving? Yeah. Is, it, is it real? That's or, right. Yeah, is it just what they're saying? Yeah. One thing that I we did was really we really listened to a, a lot of people and what they were saying, and I think that really got us off course. Yeah. Um. In 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 some ways, we also watched what they did, and we built some things around behaviors. Yeah. But such a good line. It's another yeah. one that I haven't haven't heard, but yeah. we'll definitely put that in the memory bank. A, as th- well. a thousand percent. Like it's not about. You can ask your customers for tons of feedback about stuff, and people will tell you, you know, yeah, I'd pay five bucks more for that thing. And then you built the thing, and they're like, oh no, I, yeah, I don't want it. Yeah, I didn't really. Want, I, I I want it, but I wouldn't pay five bucks for it. It's like, but you said two months ago or a week ago that you would, and then we built it, and now you want. So what's going on? You know, because people will say anything. Yeah. Right? But what people do is what you want to understand, and really observing their patterns is key. One of my mentors in this space, um, Rachel Newman, absolute gun in like you know uh, designing product, and has worked across you know was managing director of Eventbrite Australia, and like worked across Bain globally, and you know with some of the top companies now at Amazon, and she. Um, she said to me, "Serious CV, serious CV." And so, <laughs> Hi, and, Rachel. and Rachel was like, um, was saying, you know, when you go out there into, you know, and you look at customers, it's about observing their behaviors and seeing what they're actually doing. Mm-hmm. And one of the most powerful um, stories she mentioned was, you know, with Xerox, with Xerox, they were out there trying to um, figure out how to improve their product. So they got these copy machines that are inside all these all these big organizations. They're like, well, how can we improve the product? And so they go to the offices and they look at what people are doing with the copy machines. And they noticed across multiple offices that the copy machines had a little cup duct taped to the side of it. In multiple offices, right? Mm-hmm. To, to put your coffee? No, so they, so why would they have a little cup next to this, right? So here you got someone there copying something and there's a cup in there and inside the cup, what do you find? A bunch of paper clips, okay. right? And so it's weird that different companies who've bought this product are hacking it with a cup. And they realize that this is a hack that people are putting in place because something in the product isn't fully working, which is they want a paper clip, so there's nowhere to put it, so they duct tape. Uh, so if you look at the next iteration of Xerox copy machines, there's a little magnetic 
holder where you can put paper clips now, right? Nice. That's because you go to the environment and you observe. Now what people will tell you, which is we want ink that lasts longer, we want it to print faster, whatever it is. It's like, no, they actually want it just a thing to hold paper clips, but they would never say that. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's only by observing the patterns and the behaviors of your customers that you'll figure out what are the things that makes them really love your product. And isn't it funny that that would be one of those things that I guess transcends cultures and languages and religions and all that sort of stuff. Even if you can't translate, you just go and observe. That would have been happening in yeah in Egypt, in China, in America, in totally. probably every market. Totally, and and I think it's the it's it's that being it willing to go sit there and observe and look at the hacks. Like, what are the hacks that your customers are putting around your product? Yeah, that's where the real market opportunity might be, or the feature opportunity, or the product opportunity might be. Did you see any um um I guess when you when you observed in our say with your big pivot. Yeah. What was your key observation? Um, not what they said, what were they doing? Yeah. There's a lot of little micro things that once you sit with your customers, you'll notice things that they're doing. Like even going into offices and seeing that here we have this product and a lot of our customers were running around their office to go speak to certain, you know, other leaders inside the organization to get them linked into the product. So instead of someone having to, you know, stand up, walk down the hall, speak to someone, set up the meeting, do the bit, how do you design the technology so that it does that for them, right? And so if you're seeing their pattern of behavior, it's like, hey, don't walk down the, down the you know, corridor, send an email or send this link. And how do you make that even more attractive so the person wants to come onto it themselves, right? And so you start to notice those little bits once you start to really sit with customers and observe behavior, right? So making it just easier for them to um, du- duplicate their voice, I guess. Correct. Yep. Share, integrate. And, you know, one of our biggest ones is around um, just user, so administrative user types. So the types of people who actually use the product. Mm-hmm. Initially, we had two types. You could either be someone who publishes content and someone who reviews content. And they had different, you know, rights. You know, someone who publishes has a lot more, you know, editability. They can do a lot more tasks versus someone who's just viewing. They can't really edit. They can just, you know, review something. And then we realized that actually the person who owns the account, they want to invite many different types of users into that account. They want people who can edit a little bit or only edit one thing. They want someone who can approve but, and review, but not necessarily just review, right? And so you've got different types of users. And that was one of the biggest lifts we had was how do we allow the person who owns the account to invite different types of users and give them different rights on that. Powerful, small, nuanced, but really effective, right? Yeah. And, a, and, and a game changer for a lot of organizations. We're like, yeah, we want to make sure we've got control, but we can also invite other people to participate as well. Right. right? So, say is still around now. It's still going well. Yeah. yeah. But last year you quit. Yeah. Right? When did you quit? Um, so, I stepped down from the operations uh, about, about six months ago fully, but I've okay. been phasing out of the organization for the last year. Okay. Yeah. So, why did you quit? Yeah. Um... Great question. Yeah. So there's there's a because because I mean this whole series is about quitting your job. So you quit yeah. your job. You started a startup. It went really well. Then you had that pitfall. You built it back up. So a lot of people would be thinking, you know, why not continue on? That's your dream, right? Totally. So why quit? Yeah. And there's a there's a there's it's it's layered. It's funny. Like you quit your job to do a startup. Yeah. Then you quit your startup to go into the government. And then you you know who knows what happens after yeah. that. But the the thing that came up for me was. It's, it's probably twofold. Mm-hmm. So one is um, sometimes family and reality really kick in, right? right? And so for me, here I was, I'm running this company and we're kicking a lot of goals and um, something in my family happened. So my dad actually had a heart attack, right? Shit. And I, and totally unexpected. Mm-hmm. It's actually one of the wildest moments. Here I am, we're, we're in this, you know, the premier accelerator in Australia um, called Startmate. 
We're in San Francisco for our opening week. We've got meetings lined up with all the top companies in the world, you know, Uber, Google, Facebook, the whole likes. Um, and it's the Sunday just after we're, you know, we've just all got on a hike together, gotten to know everyone in the, in the group. And we're getting ready for this big week. Is that week. the same one as Matt? Same one as Matt. Uh, no, it's the one out the, the year after. All right. Yeah. And so I think he was actually in San Francisco at the time, maybe. Yeah. And so, um, so you know, here we are at the end of this of this this weekend to kick off this big week, and I get a call from my mother. You know, Al, your father's fallen off his bike. You should come, mm-hmm. right? And so my family, my parents live in Tel Aviv, mm-hmm. and I live in Australia. And here we are in San Francisco. And, you know, you get that call and you don't really process what's going on. And I said, well, what do you mean? I'm, I'm about to have a big week. I, I can't come. I'll, I'll just come later. Like, surely he'll right. get up. And she says, no, I don't think he's going to get up. I was oh, like, Jesus. what do you mean? And she said, oh, well, he's fallen off his bike and, you know, something's happened with his heart and we're not sure he's going to get back up. You might want to come. And I had to, like, ask my sisters, is this real? What's going on? And so I booked the most expensive flight of my life. It was like a... You know, five or six thousand dollar flight from San Francisco that night, wow. straight to Tel Aviv, and I get there to see my dad. You know, in the emergency room on a bunch of machines. Um, you know, them trying to revive him. And uh, so at this point, unconscious. Yeah, completely unconscious. Yeah. And uh, and to be frank, my dad's actually been unconscious ever since. Um, it's been about a year and a half. Right? Wow. And so uh, and so here I am with Matt, and I said to Matt, like, hey, Matt, your business partner. Matt, my business partner. Like, you've got to keep. You know going through the accelerator program and just keep me up to date and uh, I'm just going to be based in Tel Aviv for the next little bit and that ended up being a month and eventually a couple months and I was kind of going back and forth and actually handed the keys over to him and said hey listen you're going to be acting CEO for a while because I just have a lot going on right now and I'll do my best but you just got to drive the ship and to his credit Matt jumped in and and did what he could and actually did a really good job Um, and uh, and I was you know oscillating between these two worlds of kind of going to the hospital every day and sitting there for hours wondering what's going to happen and then getting on the phone in the afternoon calling, you know, Australia or waking up early and doing Australian hours and uh, Matt asking for a bunch of decisions to be made and me not actually being emotionally or mentally capable of making those big calls. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and in that time, you know, when you're when you're sitting there and you're in the hospital waiting room and your dad's, you know, on the, on the bed mm-hmm. and uh, you start to have thoughts about what's it all about. You know, you think, am I doing my life's purpose uh, am I doing a good job um, you know what should what do I want to you know how do I will I have regrets yeah will who I have I regrets what, who do I want to be you know what what did I miss out in my life with my dad like is he going to come back what's going all these big thoughts these big questions come up you know and uh, and I came back to Melbourne after a few months of being with my mom saying I'm going to go back and you know just figure out what's going to happen next and here we are knee deep in this top accelerator program in, in Australia and I said to Matt, like, listen, I think I'm going to be going back and forth. And I, um, I actually, uh, I think you should, I think you should step in. And initially Matt said, no way. Like, it's not my job. You know, it's your job. Step in, step in on what? As step the in, CEO. Yeah. And be the CEO. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I, and, and after playing it out for a while, he said, actually, you know what? I've got a vision for where I want to take this organization. And, um, if other investors back my vision, um, and I can see that, then I'll step in to the role of CEO. Mm-hmm. And so we went and met with a number of our investors and Matt shared his vision for the company and I sat alongside and you know said that I back where he wants to take it. And enough of the investors said yes. And so he became CEO and I became you know director and still working for the company. As Which a, is all I yeah. actually knew, right? Yeah. So all this is backstory. I only knew of Matt as the yeah. CEO. Yeah. And this just goes to show for everyone listening, like we have sat 
three meters across <laughs> yeah. each other for like 12 months and have said not much more than hey man how's it going yeah. in the tea room because we've both been busy and we both discussed this before the podcast like how crazy it is in co-working spaces because you've got mad targets on your head you've got no capital you've got to scale all this sort of shit but you have absolutely no fucking idea what's going on in people's lives yeah and this is just an amazing example of that like Thanks for sharing this story, yeah. man. Like, holy shit. And, and even in that moment, like, when, as Matt was stepping into that role, I actually, so much comes up around, you know, ego, around, like, did I do a good job? Um, my, my entire identity was bound in this company, you know, and here I'm stepping out of it or stepping to another role. Like, I've been the CEO from day one, you know, mm-hmm. and here we are at, like, year six or seven, and um, and now I'm stepping into a role as a director and a VP of, of, of strategy and, and customer experience, you know, so which is like a demotion kind of, if you look at the, mm. at the, right. at the semantics or at the language around it, like what do you put on your LinkedIn profile? You know, like was CEO stepped down, you know? Yeah. Um, and all that triggers these things for you of like, did I do a good job? Did I fail? What happened? Is Matt better than me? Like, what's it all about? And in the mix of all that, I actually just stepped back and was thinking, you know what? Actually, Matt is doing a good job. And Matt is actually leading a team and managing the team way better than I am and far more focused and structured than I was, right? And actually, maybe it's time for me to go. Right. And that's a really weird thing to, to sit with is to know that you've built a company that's been your baby and to know when it's your turn to actually just stop and step back. For 10 years now? Yeah. Is that right? And let someone else lead. That's yeah. right. Shit. And so, you know, and you've committed a lot of your life to this thing, but knowing, hey, it's time for someone else to step forward. Yeah. And I think for most people who start companies, that's a really hard thing to figure out. Like, at what point do you step back or step down? Um, and... In it's that, stuff that nobody talks about. Right? Yeah, totally. Because you think, for some reason, we think we're just going to be the executive forever until yeah. we die. You yeah. Know? And, and, and when, you know, when you think Apple, you think Steve Jobs. When you think Uber, you still think of Tra- Travis. Like, there's so many, um, like a brand is a person yeah. as well, right? And, and if you've built it, there's so much attachment. And like you said, yeah. ego and pride and all these things. All that, all that. And I mean, super confronting. There's no, there's no, it's, it's a horrible thing to consider, but there's no better place to have those conversations than in the waiting room, you know, in the hospital where you're yeah. thinking like, this is, this is real, you know, and this life. is real life. Right. And, um, and I think that even in that context, you're able to somehow process it. You've got the space and the time to kind of sit with that, you know, cause there's not really much else to do. Um, and so, yeah, I've spent the last year of like sitting in the, in the breathing room and watching my dad just kind of be there. Um, non-functioning, non-communicating, and actually just talking about what's in my head, what's in my heart. Um, and in that time, I've been supporting Matt in transitioning out of the business and watching him really go from stride to stride and actually become a remarkable leader inside the organization. And the two of us have gone through an amazing emotional journey of you know, dealing with some of the complex stuff around equities and, you know, investors and, you know, hires and structures and like things that I stuffed up that didn't work that now he's got to close off or things that I thought were really good that aren't working or, you know, whatever, or watching him take on ideas that I had that I was like, wait, that was my idea, but let him have it, you know? Yeah. 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 And so it's all, it's all, um, it's all there, but still being able to just dance in that journey together has been a really powerful thing for both of us. And I was saying just yes, just yesterday we went together and took myself off the bank account, you know, and I was th- sitting there thinking, you know, in most organizations and for me, even a year ago, if Matt had said to me, Al, we've got to take you off the, the bank account as another signatory because, you know, you're no longer in the company. That would have been a huge emotional thing for me to go and sit there in the bank and them saying, please sign this document, you know. Yeah. And literally we went in there yesterday and it was it was nothing. 
it was just probably quite empowering wasn't yeah, it it was last, flat it was yeah, just right. it was so flat and him and I were just joking about staff and we were joking about the, the office and all these other things that are happening and contracts he's working on and I barely I barely remember that we were signing the bank account for him you know? <laughs> um, so it's just amazing to see what a person can go through um, in partnership but also alone when they're transitioning from one big moment in life to another big moment of uncertainty and not knowing what's coming next you know? so yeah so what is next yeah so I um, through the in the last few months I've just been hanging out with my with my mom and my family in, in Israel so you went traveling for a bit yeah. I went traveling and I was kind of I was actually based out of Israel but just doing little trips here and there I've been working remotely consulting a bit um, teaching a bit about product and tech I've been working with some cool startups as well just on the side it's just something to, to keep me busy while I you know find what to do next and and you've in, been flown to some cool places like was it where was it in Africa yeah I, I you know a mate of mine flew me out to to Lagos Nigeria yes. I worked on this program called the Young Innovation Leadership Leaders Fellowship um, training 40 Nigerian entrepreneurs to scale up their impact. What was it like? It's the second biggest city on earth, right? Yeah, it was massive. It was... Apparently it's so wild. It was, you know, the, like, so much going on. Yeah. Like, so much energy, so much life, um, so much diversity. You see the richest of the rich and the poorest of the poor living side by side. Yeah. Um, and people are just hungry, you know, for, like, yeah. life and progress and... And the, the leaders I was working with in this program, I literally came in for uh, a week and ran like a one-week accelerator for them, um, training people to think about products, how to test their, with their customers. And we're talking about products that are, you know, have a, a deep social or environmental impact. You know, people talking about water sanitation in remote villages in Nigeria. Yeah. You know, people talking about um, agriculture and monitoring your livestock in, in pockets of Nigeria and other parts of Africa. Um, we're talking about things that like make or break people's, people's lives, yeah. you know, uh, maternal mortality um, and, you know, women, women dying from giving birth or, or, you know, from domestic abuse, right? And so how do we solve these complex problems? And it was sponsored by the United Nations um, FPA, which is the population uh, part of, of the UN. And, uh, and so it was just remarkable to work with these amazing talent and just to be exposed to fresh ideas and things that have real tangible and real impact. Um, I've also been in and out of Europe going on little trips to, to, you know, I've been working for an Israeli startup called Jolt, where they have, um, you know, expert practitioners that are virtual and they got physical classrooms in Israel and in, in the UK. And so I've just been in and out of teaching people around, how do you think about product? You know, how do you think about um, scale? How do you build a team? All the things that we're actually talking about here today, yeah, yeah. but just in, in customized classrooms as well. Um, so it's been, you know, a bit of adventure, a bit of exploring and really opening yourself up to what's out there because you've been, you know, head down, bum up for the last period of time. And now you've got a little bit of space to just step back and reflect. And the thing I really saw in, in that is that sometimes, you know, when you've got a f when you've had a few experiences in life and you've seen things work and not work and the likes, it's about really being able to sit still yeah. and observe and see where your service is needed. Yeah. Right? And not just putting yourself out there because you want to put yourself out there, yeah. but actually what's needed and serve that. Because everything's come to you over the past six or eight months, all these speaking opportunities, workshops that you're teaching, right? 100%. You didn't actually seek any of them out. None of it, yeah. And every time we spoke, he's like, I'm flying out to London. I'm flying back to Australia. I'm flying yeah. to Nigeria. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, totally. A lot of it's just kind of come, come in mm. in different ways and just being present mm -hmm. and being still and really being smart and sharp around where you can serve other people. Um, and saying a lot of yeses and a few no's, um, but a lot of yeses. That's, that's the thing is that the, the yeses and a few no's, right? Yeah. Like I've just noticed there's a lot of stuff sort of starting to come our way. I think since our startup sort of 
um, sort of stopped. It's like there's loads of opportunities like, oh, you, you've done this or can, can you help with this? And it's sort of like sometimes you don't even know where they're coming from and they're not they're not huge things. Mm. But it's it's felt like a bit of a snowball's in motion and kind of at the point where I don't know what to do with it. Mm. So it's like um, say yes was the default, mm. but then it's sort of now I'm like, okay, there's some things I need to say no to. I need to look after my own sort of sanity and time and whatnot and then actually see what – can this actually work? Can this idea work before I go in and just be like, hey, pay me some money to, to help you? Totally. So and I think the no's are, are the most powerful bit in that. They're right? probably the ones that yeah. define you and I'm, I'm trying to yeah work that out right now. Yeah. So. But you did say yes to one thing. So you got to offer to be a diplomat for the Australian government and move to New York. How That's- did that come about and why, why say yes to that? Yeah, in a similar vein, it was, um, I think part of the saying no's and yes's is actually knowing where, what, excites you what keeps you curious you know yeah um and when you know what excites you and keeps you curious then it's able to kind of refine the yeses and the noes a bit more yep. and so for me i've been playing in this you know this technology this policy this government space for a while and i'm really curious about how do you empower leaders to be better leaders mm-hmm. right inside the government but also how do you empower leaders the everyday citizen to be a better leader in their community by putting up the questions, by asking, you know, their elected leaders about how they can be better. Because I really believe that every single person on this planet has a role in making this world a better place. And not just running from it because it's all too hard and scary, right? That's right. Which a lot of people, which is sad, like so many leaders and amazing people that I hear from is just like, it's too hard, man. Like the bigger picture, it's just we're never going to make change. That's right. It's such a sad thing. That's exactly. And for me, it's around how do you sit with everyone from you know, from whether it's the government or companies and actually be able to clear a lot of the the emotional baggage that we bring into something so that they can actually sit with somebody like, yeah, that is tough, you know? Like what happened with my dad? It was really tough, you know? And I had to clear a lot to get to a point where I can sit there and be there for my family, right? Mm-hmm. And for others around that, you know? And same with, uh, with the company just being still in president. Let the ego and the emotions get in the way of me being able to transition out of the company in a way that really empowers the current CEO and the other team members and the investors around it. And so how do you actually start to work with leaders in a way where they're able to clear stuff and step into, yeah, I do want to take action on climate change and not it be the most emotional thing. Or, yeah, I do want to, like, ask people about how we can sort out, you know, the way we do tax in Australia. Whatever the issue that you care about is, how do we actually clear stuff so you can step into that world? And so for me, I, I've actually never worked for the government itself. Okay. And I, I was back in Melbourne and once again, someone was over, over dinner, someone mentioned this role uh, in the States. So working actually for uh, the Victorian government, which is the state of the, of the Australian government, as, a, as an investment director. And so the job is really working with US tech companies um, who are looking to grow into the Asia Pacific and seeing if they can see Melbourne and Victoria as a place to do that work from. And so it's really about selling um, this, this region, this city, this, this state, and, uh, and actually showing people how amazing it is to start companies from this area that you can really transform not just this area, but, but the world through, um, because that's something that I've done. But like start American companies in particular in this region, is that yeah, so, what it's seeding? Yeah, so one of the most amazing things they've done recently is um, Uber is piloting this new thing called Uber Elevate, which is yeah, air taxis, sick. right? Yeah. Which is what? Air, air taxis. So imagine getting an Uber that flies. Okay. Right. Okay. So like little mini land drones or planes that land on top of buildings. And so imagine getting from, you know, uh, from where we are right now right. in the center of Melbourne out to the airport by an air taxi. So like a drone that would fly all three of us uh-huh. straight to the airport. And you just go like you just know which building that you want, that, that it can land on. You go up the elevator 
and then to where you need to go. And you're off, right? Okay. And so they wanted to pilot this in two American cities and one international city. And so through the department, they said, well, why don't you try doing that for Melbourne? And so we're bringing global technology or world-class tech into Melbourne. We've got aeronautical space engineers that are going to support that project. We've got, you know, the government working to manage some of the regulation on how do you actually deliver this pilot and prove that it works observing what people do not what they say yeah. and um, and so that's just one example of, of the type of work of like how do we get a global US company to do more work in this region is that you know? just an example or is that your first contract that you'll be working on that's pretty so I haven't, I haven't started yet but that's one of the one of the bits that they, they've worked on project. that's an existing project that's there yeah, yeah. okay awesome yeah. and there'll be more like that also yeah. you know the reason we've got some of the 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 greatest companies based out here like even you know Zomato and Zendesk and, and yeah, um, yeah. you know we've got Slack out here like they've based their headquarters here in Melbourne Slack's obviously sick Be- yeah because uh, the department's just said hey have you, have you thought about this as a place to do work in Asia from yeah um, and it's such an explosive market Melbourne it's so exciting that I honestly believe that Melbourne can be one of the biggest cities on earth look totally. it's completely flat from Geelong to Ballarat to Bendigo to all the way to Gippsland where, where I'm from like this city is exploding. Totally. I remember being a kid that we were like half the size of Sydney. Yeah. It was two and a half million and versus five million. Yeah. Sydney's like five and a half million, I think now, and yeah. Melbourne's going to pass it next year, I think. Totally. It's phenomenal, the growth that's going on in this city, the startup scene that's building. Like, is there any, um, is there any like, any clues to anything that's hot off the press you're allowed to give like any, any new companies that are on their way here from America good question there's one you know there's of. one that they've just um, signed up that's coming here which is DoorDash so, oh yeah yeah, yeah. 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 so DoorDash is a, is a freshman that's just come in and um, I don't know which other ones are going to come beyond that but yeah. like I know that one's just a very fresh uh, deal that's come through which is pretty exciting awesome yeah nice cool um, so we ask everyone to bring in a quote. So when I'm sorry, as we're about to finish up, do you want to read your quote? Sure. There's it's, been, a, there, even though it might not be this one, there's been a few great ones already. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, this is, it's a very common quote. People probably know this one, but I'll, I'll say it anyways. And it is one that's resonated throughout my life and it's by Marion Williamson. It's called Our Deepest Fear. You could actually read it with your hand on your heart. And I'll read it with my hand on my heart. So <laughs> Our Deepest Fear is not that we are inadequate, our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. And they, it goes on a bit further, but the reason why I really love that part of the quote is because at different points in my life, I, I've, I've connected with it, yep. but connected with it differently. Okay. So when I, like that quote was on my wall when I was, you know, in, in elementary school and in high school, and it was on the wall and it was kind of like, I didn't really understand what it really meant. I just thought, yeah, our deepest fear is, um, is, is that we are powerful beyond measure, right? And I was thinking... Yeah, that, that would be a nice thing to feel. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really know what that felt like, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I know people have told me this is popular, so I want to be cool. So I just put it on my wall for a while and we'll see how we go, right? Right. And I remember having moments of, of, of like, you know, okay, here I am just trying to kick it along and sometimes feeling like, oh, yeah, I think I'm powerful and therefore maybe I should be scared of that. But not really knowing what that meant. And when I got to, when you know, when Julia Gillard is answering questions from the Australian public globally... And we've got, the, you know, the, one of the top companies in the world, Google, partnering with us. And we've got the largest media with us. And I'm there observing this. And I'm thinking, wow, we are powerful beyond measure right now. Yeah. Like, we could do anything, right? And in that moment, you realize you could actually do anything. And so when you're, you're 26 and you're on top of the world and you feel like, wow, my fear is I could do anything. And I actually don't even know what to do because I really could do anything. But the truth is that you also feel that when you're in the waiting room with your dad 
Aww. and he's on the on the bed and you're like I am powerful beyond measure right now I could do anything right and I could do anything to inspire him I could do anything to support my mother and I could do anything for the people around me right now as little as telling the woman who's coming in to take care of him that I really appreciate her being there today and that might be the only thing that she's heard that's positive all day because everyone's yelled at her for not cleaning it effectively or doing the thing whatever it is but like I have the power here to transform people's lives big and small and I can see that happening every single day in my life where I step into it and I'm like, wow, I could do anything from first hour of the day through to the end of the day that is beyond measure. And the sphere is what to do. Right? Wow. I never thought of that quote that way. Right? I've heard that quote so many times. Yeah. I think, yeah, when, it become, when you fully embody it, it becomes all parts of your life. Like, and hearing th- that sort of depth is... Yeah, he's unreal. I had a completely different thing in my in my mind when you first read it out. So yeah, the fear is not knowing what to do. Yeah, because you can do anything. Correct. And so when you step into it, it's like I actually now having done a few things, you know, it's like I could do anything. Just a couple. Yeah, just a couple. <laughs> of things. But I could, I could do anything. Like I could fully jump into it, and we're almost fearful of what impact we might have, right? Yeah. And I think we shouldn't let that fear control us, right? We should realize that you could actually step into it take a stab and know that that's just part of the journey of life is going out there, going all in, shaping the world and being able to stay vulnerable and step back and say, hey, I had a crack. I thought it was that and it didn't work and I'm sorry. Yep. And I, but I, I know that I'm capable because I have that power to take us somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you've done by quitting your job, starting the startup, quitting the startup, now going to move to New York. And I'm sure your journey will continue to pivot and, and change as you listen to yourself. Totally. Anything else uh, major for the future, Al, or anything that you'd like to? Any insider secrets you want to tell? (laughs) Any insider secrets? It could be professional secrets or just you know secrets from your heart. (laughs) No, I think um, my biggest thing right now is you know knowing that we have that power, um, being able to really sit still and really observe where can we be of service to others, and. We get so consumed with being like, who am I? What's my contribution? You know, how, how am I going to be known or whatever? When in fact, you should just flip that and check all that and just look at the world and observe what does the world need right now that maybe I can contribute to mm. and be really humble and still around that stuff. And it'll come up. You'll notice it. It's not just about like building that fire inside. It's like harnessing the fire. It's like, where is it going to be needed? Yeah, the most? totally. Yeah. Love it, man. It's been a epic, epic chat. And, um, part of me is like how the hell did I not get to know this (laughs) working three meters away from you but I'm really really grateful that you've been able to share this um, with us and and get to know you on a deeper level it's been amazing yeah you've definitely been of service thanks man thanks so much thank you for coming on here and talking so openly about your challenges and your journey of course. I'm sure it won't be the last conversation that we have with you <laughs> online. I think we could go and divulge into about six or seven other episodes. With you. We'll call you from New York <laughs> yeah. when you're in New York. Yeah. We'll Good luck. Be me and I'll be there journey. for sure. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, Thanks man. man. Cheers, guys. We're out. Thank you so much for tuning into the three-part series of AL, as well as the 10-part series of Should I Quit My Job? It's been a wild ride. It's happened over a course of six months. And so this is a real throwback Uh, to when we were all living in Melbourne, myself, Al, and Andra. Now we're in all three corners of the the world. Andra's in Toronto, Al's in New York, and I'm in Lisbon. New York has been hit incredibly hard along with many other places uh, in the world with the coronavirus. So I just 
want to shout out to AL and just hope you're doing okay over there, man. Thoughts with all the rest of the world because this is an insanely challenging time. Look forward to uh, connect with you all over the future podcast. There's going to be a lot more coming. There won't be a five-month gap. Uh, and we'd just love for anyone to connect and reach out to us on our email. Yes, we want to try and build some real connections. Um, we will do social media later, but connect at the 8 effectcom the number eight, not letters. So connect at the 8billioneffect.com. Please reach out if you've got any insight that you want to share or anything to add in regards to AL's episode or any of the others. I personally um, are using this episode as as amazing awakening for me. He's a, he's a ball of wisdom, AL. Um, trying to sit more in silence with my own thoughts, live a more purpose-driven life, think of who can I serve AL has also inspired me to start uh, putting my hand on my heart when I want to speak rather than putting my hand on my head. And I think I I speak for Andra as well. So thank you so much, AL. You are an absolute gem, a wealth of knowledge, and we cannot wait to have you on here in the future. Wish you all the best. Hope New York is um, on, on the mend and you are safe and well, as well as everybody else in the global community. So Look forward to hearing from you next time. Cheers, guys.